0: How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Side Show Podcast, episode
1: 220. I feel like we're flushing, flashing back. My apologies. Flushing back. Flushing back. Flushed away. Great film. Two Whiplash. Yeah. Because you got away from my
0: cue, Zeke. Yeah. Sorry. When I sync clap. I was, um... Usually you do the sync clap, to be fair. I was dragging. Oh, well, no, I was... I you were was, rushing. Um, rushing. I was rushing. Gosh. Yeah. You gonna snap at me? Yeah, you yeah. are wearing like a, a blackish this, I, <laughs> shirt,
1: and I almost shaved my head as well this morning. So, there you go. So You're almost gonna... pulled it off. I'm gonna throw funny. This I should have
0: nominated Flushed Away for...
1: <laughs> for the twenty for the two thousands <laughs> yeah, vote. It for... would have
0: been um, a film I've never seen. And never, you've really... never seen Flushed Away. No. Hmm. no, I walked past Ratatouille the other day. You walked past. A... Yeah, it was just playing.
1: Was ra- was he there?
0: And I just thought, wow, that's I know good. his
1: name's not Ratatouille, but... Rami? Remy? Yeah, Remy. Remy, yeah. Was
0: just just there. He was hanging out. It was just good. It was good. <laughs> Wait, where did you pass Ratatouille? What? I was just walking through Myers. Oh, Myers. And I was like...
1: Oh, I was that's... playing on the television. Okay. Yeah, I just started watching I, I, There was a lot I had to dissect out of that scene. Yeah, it was a lot. Much like the film of the week. Very good. The Vich. Which I'm going to intercut you, Zik, mm. with my fun fact. Because, of course, we've been calling it The Vich. Specifically, Double V I T C H. Now, this is a common way for people to pronounce the name of this film or spell the film. When its own director, Robert Eggers, of course, the subject of our director's corner today, actually said that he prefers the spelling with the W, even though it's not as commonly used as it was uh, at, in the 17th century, and I think that's where it originates mm-hmm. from. But he actually said he wrote the film, writing it at with a W. And pronouncing it with a W. So I thought it was interesting that it's almost something that even though the actual film itself and the poster spell it with two V's, the film's director didn't necessarily mean for that to be the case. I thought that was very strange.
0: Well, speaking of the director, my Mm. trivia fact was involving Anna Taylor-Joy, which this was her sort of hallmark film. I think it was literally her first film. yeah. And, of course, this is a name is now that crazy. we're synonymous. You know, we talked about her with The Menu as her most recent film that we all really enjoyed her in. In fact, she she's, actually she's is dre- a voice... She's dressing up now as a peach. Yes. Princess Peach, she is a, right. the voice in the new Mario movie. Yeah. But this was uh, her first film and the first audition tape that director Robert Eggers saw. Oh,
1: I'm looking. At, she uh, has an uncredited role in Vampire Academy in 2014. Truly and wild
0: to think about.
1: Viking Quest. When as well. we think this was
0: only 2015, so that's a meteoric she, rise. She blew up pretty quickly. Mm.
1: I mean, it it kind of starts at The Witch, where it's like she slowly became one of those A24 queens we talk about, yeah. Florence Pugh and whatnot. Um, I guess Queen's Gambit it was, was queen's like the Gambit. really big one. Was where the she just coronating exploded. show. Yeah, I can see that. But Zeke... Mm. Can you see this film being on the poster behind you? 1,100 films you must watch before you die. Because, of course, it is eligible to be on the poster. I
0: think it would have been. I don't think it is on the poster.
1: You are correct. It is not on the poster.
0: Mainly because, uh, I think, Eggers... Because the, the poster goes up to 2018. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, which means...
1: I don't know how Love, Simon made it on the list and not this film, but that's all I'm going to say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but if we look at where 2015 sits in the... Uh... The world, the world had its superhero movies and its indie films are often cinema of the other films, Mm. particularly at that midpoint of the 2010s, films like Love, Simon, Call Me By Your Name. They were sort of the, I I feel like the the apex of, at their most indie relevance at that point.
1: I guess, I mean, this sort of fits more. I mean, it's obviously an indie film. I was actually meant to check how much it cost to make. For some reason, I didn't end up pulling that up but you know it was distributed by a24 which i was surprised by because when on prime it it plays the universal logo instead Mm. which i was surprised by i'm like that's pretty that's one of the big six yeah or is it five now because disney bought more Mm. i I don't know where we're at anymore they're just disney it's just every disney owns everything that's fine um but i think i think this kind of fits more in the echelons of like those obviously folk tale um, what what's the word that they what, the, we talked about this? There's like a genre of horror, like smart horror, or yeah, like it's the, what's the term? Oh, that's throwing It's nuts it's now. in the
0: midsummer hereditary bracket. Yeah, say
1: like use your brains. High, was from, it was a highbrow. Yeah, something like that. High yeah. art horror, highbrow horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah,
1: audience at home, you know what we're referring yeah. to. Yeah,
0: your Jordan Peele films. Yeah, well, even then,
1: I don't know. It, I would say
0: Get Out,
1: yes. Get Out more so, yes. And No. Nope. I think, yeah. No. Nope. Uh, us is definitely more... Us. It kind of feels like a, more of a slasher, if anything. Yeah. Even though there's a lot of themes and ideas explored in there. and We're, we're definitely getting lost in the muddle there, but I think... I, I was a little surprised to see it not on the list. Uh, especially because even just within Edgar's... Uh, Edgar's, my God. We're not talking about Edgar right here. Edgar's uh, career... His first feature, of course, and and to a lot of people, still his best. A lot of people
0: consider this still his best work. I, we can talk about it more in the second half of the show, but mm. I wonder if that's a retrospective, looking back at the catalogue and going, right. "That's the best," rather than at the time, this being like the "Oh my God, this is better." Because right. I feel like for me, his put on the map film is the Lighthouse. Like that's the one that really consummates him as a. Not okay. saying this is a. Like, this probably was the conversation starter, but I think, retrospectively, I feel like a lot of people have turned around and gone, oh, I think The Witch is his best film. Right. Not. They thought it was his best, and then every film after it has been not as good mm. as The The Witch, you know what I'm saying?
1: I uh, Yeah, I it's hard, it's hard to tell. I will say that I've seen people say one of all three of his main feature films are their favourites. I've seen people say The Northman is, is their favourite film of his, which... That also surprises me a little bit. But, nevertheless, um, there is a lot to talk about with The Witch, but we'll, we'll get there soon enough. Zeke, have you watched anything in this
0: last week? I'm going to have to like quickly double-check the old notes on this one. <laughs> um, I watched that's the first okay. episode of Succession, so that's a yes, safe... Yes,
1: well, I've, I actually watched the first two. I got the second one this morning, and um, it's fantastic. Yeah. The writing's still I mean,
0: top-notch. That first episode, pretty much just is succession in the in a lightning bottle. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, the, it kind the, of
1: is in the sense that like, there's an arc within that first episode, but it has all the, the witticisms and then the whole, the high stakes, um, family versus business and, and like where, where are the motivations coming from? And, and Greg, the, Greg, <laughs> you gotta have Greg it, you're kind of right. It kind of has all those elements in there. It's like your, your final first episode of the show ever.
0: Mm. Yeah. So it's kinda sad of, to put it that way. Yeah. I think what's what's even good in that episode is we're we're seeing a lot of characters almost not after their arcs are finished, but we we really are seeing kind of the wear and tear of this mm. extensive power campaign. Like characters do feel like they have weight to them now or mm. they have been scarred by the events of the last Assumably, two years? Is, it, is the timeline? Is it two years? I think it's actually one because I, I don't want to spoil too much for people
1: who aren't completely caught up in succession, but there is a birthday in the season four premiere, which suggests it's being at least the one year mm. because there is a birthday in the pilot episode as well. It's kind of like the Walter White turns 51 episode yeah, I guess of it. it, is, it actually, a year? is a really good comparison. <laughs> the Walter White turns yeah, 51. I guess it is a year. I think that. It could, be, it could have been a couple of birthdays. But I think the fact that this is very... not. Well, I'm watching this very self-aware that this is the last season. And it kind of feels like the show is also self-aware. Even though a lot of its cast weren't. A lot Like, Sarah Snook didn't know it was the last season until the table read for the final episode. Which is... I still think there's something very strange going on about how late people found out this was the last season. But it does feel like it when you're watching it. It does feel like a bit of a finality is on the horizon yeah. part of that is the birthday and part of that is the stakes of the three kids and the dad and it kind of really does feel like those teams are cemented for like this final push to the to the end of the journey i guess
0: yeah i mean it could be a case of the actors were just the last to know um yeah it does that first episode definitely feels like it's you know the, the decisions made by the characters and we're gonna have that like very clear one last showdown mm. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely, it's a great episode to create intrigue. I don't think I've ever experienced a show that has wanted, like, that has left me hankering for another episode. Mm. Quite like Succession has since Breaking Bad. Right. Um, and it's funny, because I feel like they both follow similar sort of they kind of turn, like, a lot of Breaking Bad is, not not a lot happens in some episodes, but mm. there's enough to always, there's always got that really good hook, and it always yeah. keeps it going, and, you know, particularly that, that, that last, I guess, two seasons for Breaking Bad, yeah. those two half seasons, or whatever you want to call them, um, definitely makes you want the stakes get more and more. Very quickly. Yeah. Oh, I guess it gets absurd insane. how intense the, the last um, season is, my God. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. It's something... I mean, that first episode's pacing, the fact that a deal, the way that they've somehow managed to make a phone call conversation mm. and people entering and leaving rooms so interesting yeah. and entertaining is still, to this day, bewildering to me. Right. That they've made that so interesting because it has really no reason to be nearly as good and interesting as what it actually is
1: and what's fascinating is like there are numbers being thrown out there and again we're not trying to spoil too much but like you hear like 8 billion 10 billion those numbers are thrown out there it's like there is no there's a little bit there's like a little bit of where is it going to lead and it plays a bit into the second episode in terms of of the money aspect but that is not at all where the tension's coming from. It's coming from the, the relationship between the family members. Yeah. Like, that's completely where the stakes are derived from and why we're so interested. But also, at the same time, you're right, it's really entertaining because there's an element of humour to the whole thing, of the back-and-forth nature of it and how kind of silly it is with the numbers they're throwing out and whatnot.
0: Yeah. So, it's really, really good to be back, obviously, you know, especially as Last of Us is just wrapped up. Mm. And this one's picked up. It's... HBO, they're on a roll.
1: Yeah, and now they're ending all the great shows. I don't know what's, <laughs> <done>. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, what about I'm, you, Jake? I'm very excited. I mean that that frankly was it for me as well. <laughs> Quite weak. Death succession. I did watch a couple of short films. Okay, but I will talk more about them as part of the wider director's corner. Do you have any career
0: updates you want to chime in here? At um, this
1: point? I'm still working at Skin and Blister. I'm I'm kind of at that stage now where it's just like trimming the fat and just sort of clipping off half seconds at the end of takes and things like that, so I'm just desperately trying to get it under 15 minutes. But, you know, I don't want to fall into that trap either of, you know, a 10-minute short film. Plays great in the festival, but, gosh, where's half the stuff you shot? Yeah, I don't want to fall into that trap, so um, just fine-tuning it. But it's working. I think it's working. I actually played it a rough cut to a couple of high school friends who I haven't seen in a long time, caught up recently, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to play in the rough cut and see if, like, the main... There's a mystery element to the story, and, mm-hmm. and there's relational stuff. And obviously, just the stuff I'm going to miss. You're
0: trying to see if the, the message is translating. Yeah, if it's all tracking. To people and, that and, have nothing to do with it. Exactly. That. And mm-hmm. the
1: good thing is, like, those high-level concepts are translating great. Like, the mystery makes sense. There aren't too many things that are throwing anyone off. There's a couple little things in there. I'm like, oh, I could probably tidy this up. And then every now and then you get the, why doesn't she just turn her phone off in the scene? You're like, oh, I guess this is a pretty good point. <laughs> Is there a way to edit that in? You get that stuff every now, but generally, I
0: was very happy with because cause a lot of but times te- test audience can be tricky too because they're also mm-hmm. trying to look for that stuff too. It's sure, not, it's not pure authenticity, yeah, is
1: it? But then you got you got the other side where people are trying to be too nice about the thing you've, very you're true. showing them. Yeah. So it's you kind of have to read it for what it is. I always love when people make jokes, which I know is like, oh, you're making jokes about my art. How dare you? It's like you got to read between the lines of the jokes. And it's like, there's a joke that's made in regards to, like, dropping someone off at a church. And that's, like, a reoccurring joke. And I have to sort of decipher where that joke's coming from mm-hmm. to understand what the film told them to make that joke. And then sort of deconstruct it and see if that applies. My favorite example is my the third year film that I edited. I didn't direct it. I had a friend of the show, Jack, bet on to watch an early cut of it. And he was making jokes about the character. But it was actually a good thing. Because the jokes derive from the film telling him that this is a very sick man on the edge of death, which is what the film is trying to portray. So sometimes you read between the lines of a joke and it's actually a like good feedback. Mm. It's actually like kind of what you're trying to get out of the film. Because some people they just naturally make jokes while watching films. Yep. So I think there's there's an art to the reception there. But anyway, that's where I'm at with the editing. There's still quite a process to go,
0: but Yeah, exciting times, Zeke. Very exciting. Well, I guess it's time for us to move into the latest instalment in our Countdown Mm -hmm. Through the Decades Retrospective, number four. It is also a director's corner. Jake! Oh, packed. Packed. Who's the director and what are we watching?
1: This week on the show, Zeke, we're talking about Robert Eggers and his feature debut, The Witch.
2: What went we out into this wilderness to find? (laughs) Leaving our country, kindred, our fathers' houses. For what? For the kingdom of God. Let us pray. this family oh god my lord and now begin I'll oh, help me and I'll leave my sin what oh I repentant thou shalt be I will turn to thee. None ever shall destroy my faith, for I repent and how shall be. O God, my Lord, I now begin,
0: O help me and leave my sin. For I repent and how shall be. From evil I will turn to thee. the port. In 1630s, New England, William and Catherine lead a devout Christian life with five children, homesteading on the edge. Of an impassable wilderness, exiled from their settlement, when William defies the local church. When the newborn son vanishes and crops mysteriously fail, the family turns on one another. Oh,
1: William. Why'd you defy the
0: church, William? So, why did the you big, do it? The big question is mm. here, Jake, you know, even in that log line, so we're not spoiling too much of the film because sure. it's in there. What is the. In- the inciting slash corruptible action that leads to this family's oppression? To them
1: getting exiled?
0: No, to everything falling apart on oh, their homestead. Right. Who well, messes up first?
1: It's a big question to start with. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a real true answer to this? I don't know. I, because yeah.
0: if, if you look at Egger's other films, so we take The Lighthouse, yes. which we've done on the we show. Have done, yes. The, everything starts going pear-shaped when he kills the seagull.
1: Um,
0: Isn't it, right? Yeah, no, that's, um, good, that's very true. And I guess everything... He's
1: warned not to do it, he does it, and all hell breaks loose.
0: Yeah, and I guess in the Northmen, it's don't kill the king dishonorably. and He kills him dishonorably.
1: We're, we're going to get into it, but I think the... the Northmen is such a weird outlier in Edgar's filmography, and I'm including his short films, because he's done quite a few short films, of which I, yeah. seen, I saw a few recently. And... They kind of all follow... First off, he's hardcore goff. He's a hardcore goth. <laughs> if that wasn't clear from his visual style, but it's like... Almost everything he works on is either... Mm. You know, from some sort of pre-established biblical or fairy tale source. Mm. And that could go back to films like... He's done a Hansel and Gretel um adaptations, like a 30-minute short film on YouTube. It's very German expressionist and... Looks like it was ripped out of the 1920s or black mm-hmm. and white, high contrast. Got that weird film grain effect that's clearly put on top of it. Um, or it derives from Greek or Norse mythology, which technically North- Northmen fits into that category. Yes. But even just like as a film, it's just it's this big
0: blockbuster, explosive action drama. Yeah. yeah, it almost would have benefited... It's really funny because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we take people like, you know, a friend of the show, Blake and Steven, who yep. go and make a film like, uh the you know, their, their own film, The Raven. Or, you know, you look at the show Vikings mm. and there are massive action set pieces, but there definitely are, like, the sort of mythos exploration there. And yeah. The Northman does it a little... There are sequences where it's very prominent, but like you said, it is definitely way more of an action-heavy... I guess it's a revenge film, so it's...
1: it's The Lion King.
0: (laughs) It's confined (laughs) to a a small village for a a mass part of it over probably Mm. half the film. So there aren't huge, like, war set pieces or anything. Sure.
1: Well, there are, like, crowd scenes and big action scenes and things like that from from memory, but... It just feels so much more like general audience, which is interesting because it actually bombed at the box office. But then you compare it to something like, yeah, The Witch and The Lighthouse and some of these other short films, which are just so much more odd. Odd is a really good way to put it. Mm. Um, to tie it back to your initial question, which again I think is a very very big question. Bold question. What like what is the true catalyst to like the doom that befalls this family? I mean, it it quite literally is them being exiled because it feels like they sort of, you know, they leave, I guess, New England onto this, like, bewilderment or this land of just, like, bush mm. and wilderness and, and nature. is that, That's what they call it, nature. And immediately, it's like they're kind of on enemy territory where immediately their lives are being manipulated and twisted by these local witches. And the film doesn't, the film doesn't trick you at all. It very quickly shows you, hey, this witch stole this baby, stole young Samuel, and And skinned him and cut him, and used his blood or his um intestines to like paint their their broomstick, which I know this film has a lot of like you read into witchcraft and and that mythology from the sixteen hundreds and a lot of it a lot of those details are in here mm. like that that's the pure it's like they use it as like an oil for their flying instrument witches, and obviously all the animals and like what you know the black goat and you know what the end the birds and what these animals each represent in terms of which one's Satan, which ones are which, like a watchful eye. All that stuff's in yeah. there, which is wonderful. I don't think we're going to um, dwell too much into all of that necessarily, but I think it's simply when they walk on that land, they're mm. exiled and they start a new life out in the in nature. They're doomed. They're doomed right from the start of the film. Mm. I feel
0: like. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. Uh uh question to ask i think because Wait, do you think there's a specific
1: moment that, that no i mean I,
0: I think that there's an interesting sort of moment when they they see this promising new homestead land mm-hmm. and there's a shot where they're all on the knees praying yep. to the land Ah, oh, and they got the and sound
1: of the sound of the witches crying and
0: yeah, yeah. i i think there's a a point there yeah you you're probably right it's that sense of invasion and mm. disturbing this uh e- you know deeply magical sight i guess was mm. is the way you would describe it but yeah it is probably william's defiance of church and community uh, believing he knew better he right. knew the the word of of christ more and it's that um sort of it's Nihilist. Pride. it's the well, word they use over and yeah, over again. It's, pride, it's, pride yeah. it's that nihilism there, isn't it? Like, uh, the, the, oh, sorry, that ego, ego about he, William, who is constantly using scripture, mm. yet is not openly defying it, but I mean, by the end, is openly defying it to an extent. <laughs> um, I think they quickly unravel when it's that, uh, how they use their faith, almost as a crutch hmm. and when their faith is tested and that crutch begins to test you know give they they fall apart pretty quickly yeah
1: um and what i noticed as well which is really interesting i feel like i'm jumping right into this but it's something i noticed this second time around um and it, it blew my mind that it's actually been nearly three years since i last saw this film which i can't believe it's been that long it's pretty wild. um so i didn't remember very much at all obviously i remember like the ending and the general the catalyst with mm. young Samuel going missing and whatnot. But what I notice is the response each family member has, if you want to make it very binary, and especially between gender, the responses they have initially to young Samuel going away and then just the continued bad luck that's mm. going on in their family where um, William is very much looking at it straight on in the sense that this is nature trying to consume us and we're not going to let it consume us while it's actually a lot of the women in the family that kind of lean towards uh, witchcraft and God's involvement and whatnot. Obviously, you got Mercy who's running around like I'm a witch. I'm, I'm pretending to be a witch, and then of mm. course uh, Tomlinson actually like turns that around. And is like actually, no, I'm a witch. I'm going to use this to freak you out. Which I guess is is supposed to be her being like the older, kind of snarky, annoyed sister. Yeah, <laughs> it might be a little more than that, maybe.
0: But <laughs> well, that is it is interesting, isn't it? With the Tomlinson's journey mm. in this film. But, you know, and, and then you obviously have um, Abel being... Is it Abel? Is it Abel? Um, Why am I... Oh, Mercy? Mer, no, um, the brother. Oh, Caleb. 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 Yeah. I knew it was a biblical name. I'm sure I remember which biblical <laughs> name it was. I'm um, texting
1: a Caleb right now on my phone, so that makes... That <laughs> um, checks out. You know, and it
0: is interesting, the arc that that she goes on and you sort of see everyone around them. Like you said, the responses are different. You know, you've got Caleb who, you know, he kind of feels like
1: he's torn between the two because he has an initial discussion with his father where he's worried about young Samuel was was going, went to hell and he's worried about himself going to hell. He's Mm -hmm. the one that's sort of leaning into the biblical side of it. And his father's convincing him. like, no, 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 this is a, a wolf took him. A wolf took him and nature's trying to consume us. And we won't let that happen. So it feels like, Caleb's sort of, torn between the two responses.
0: I mean, he's a conflicted character in general. He's clearly coming of age and he's starting to look at his sister in the wrong way. Mm. Um, And that's a... Obviously, that's that... Like you said, it's that isolation side too, like being excommunicated from their community. Um, Caleb is incapable of of projecting his emotions positively Mm. because he's conformed to such... Uh, rigorous uh, religious principles and mm. and obviously is only surrounded by family members so um if he's not careful it turns to sweet home alabama very quickly <laughs> um
1: well it's interesting how the witches know that that's how to consume him and to seduce him is through the physical female forms yeah it's siren-esque you know yeah exactly it's uh i was even thinking of um the shining you know, yes. the young girl in the bathroom turns into an ugly old hag immediately. And I love the use... We can talk about colour in a minute, but, like, that is the most visceral use of colour in the whole film. It's, it's the poison head. apple. It's, yeah. the, it's the apple, exactly, which, of course, he spits out later, which is obviously tormenting them about the crops they mm. can't seem to find or build. And, and yeah. again, go back to Williams, too prideful to go back to the settlement without anything to offer or give.
0: Yeah. And it's... It, it, Really, what we're watching over the course of this ninety minutes is just this family slowly being corrupted, or, mm. or basically caving. Like I said, like using that faith as a crutch for their sort of self righteous behavior, their mm. their their colonial expansion um, and oppression. You know, to the point where everything goes wrong, they they fall back to their human traits. It's mm. it's this like you know one of the big commentaries this film's trying to talk about is that. 16th century witch hysteria that anything wrong or different was perceived to be a to be a witch Mm -hmm. and these are the the, these puritans these you know religious puritans are the depiction of that society at the time who thought they were too self-righteous for the community the fact that william brands the community he's in because they're not all god-loving um puritans like he is as lesser than him as different you know that's really that's such an interesting time because like you said whenever something went wrong there was that reaction there and and the only reason william is not uh succumbing to it like everyone else is is because it's his own reputation on the line Mm. isn't it
1: i'm trying to find the quote i could have swore i wrote it but it's it's one of the opening quotes where of course uh, tomlinson's sort of praying or well, it's a prayer, but it's all, it's almost like a confession that she's doing to camera. It's one of the first things we see with her, and she says something like, "It's very much in contrast to the whole, uh, living deliciously line, which we're going to get into." Zeke, the line was following the desires of my own thought uh, and not of the Holy Spirit. So the film very much opens with her, specifically talking about having selfish thoughts, selfish ideas, mm. wanted to do selfish things, but it not being in the spirit of the Holy, uh, in. The desires or the thoughts of the Holy Spirit. Now, like you said, with William having this, let's call it a complex, if we will, that is holier than thou in the entire settlement, and that it is a heavily Christian family living a heavily Christian lifestyle. You could even argue to the point where it's like, is this, has he pushed his family almost too much? Mm. Where, I mean, she is totally scared of defiance, but. That is very clearly the journey that she's going on in this film because that that is the counter to what she's offered at the end of the film from from the witches and the and the goat, who I'm forgetting a name, Billy Billy Black Goat, what the Um <laughs> What the hell's his damn name? Black Philip, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> oh Black Philip. So I think that's sort of I mean it's kind of a downer so message. It's not really a message at all. It's just it's all very kind of
0: sickening and, and it's just corruption nah. through want and greed, isn't it, mm. really? Um, and it's interesting because, you know, she's branded very early on as as a witch because of, well, at first her jest towards Mercy mm. and, what's the brother's name? Uh, Caleb. Caleb. No, not Caleb, the uh, twin. Oh, uh Jonas? he barely has a line in it. Mercy <laughs> carries the... They're both just little shits. It's okay. They it. <laughs> just, they suck. Um, they suck. And, uh, yeah, having that jest and then obviously, you know, in the latter parts of the film when things are going awry and most of the characters have been succumb because we assume Jonas and, and Mercy have spoken to Philip. They they don't...
1: It seems, yeah, that there that seems that... That's what's happening. Yeah. which what na- we're told or given.
0: And obviously, you know, Catherine's succumbed through her grief mm. for losing her, her baby Samuel to the sort of siren-esque behaviour that happens in the latter parts of the film. Mm. still looks so uncomfortable, that crow scene. Oh, mm.
1: Nicola <laughs> <laughs> That and, is a rough cut. That That's the kind of... And this is actually something I want to talk to you about, Z, because a lot of people have said this film is terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. I wasn't terrified. Now, I think with one small exception, I'll get to that maybe in our highlight scene later, um, I kind of agree in the sense that I don't think it's a, a horrifying film. It's definitely one that like, crawls under your skin. It's very uncomfortable yeah. when you're watching something horrible slowly unfold amongst the characters. But that is one of those shots when it hard cuts away from like her um,
0: hallucination to
1: <laughs> what's actually happening to it's her. the Patterson
0: one, though, at the end, too, and he's getting pecked
1: yeah, At the end of it's a bit yeah, yeah. it's a bit growy <laughs> We like our pecking shots and uh, <laughs> yeah, and our directors. Yeah, well, it's the director's corner. Yeah. He likes he likes there you getting go. he likes to do it. I have to ask Zeke. Mm. So, with Tomlinson, obviously she does by the end to come to the witchcraft and, yes. and to live deliciously and all of that, and she does. The film ends with her course, flying in the air. Was she a always a witch? B, targeted from the start of the film, and was sort of the one destined and chosen to be mm-hmm. the new witch, or C is a simple process of elimination where she was the last one to survive, so she's the chosen one.
0: No, I, I think it's probably number two. Okay, the explicit targeting, but it's it comes back to that commentary on the on the hysteria side, the fact that they're so quick to believe that she is a witch based off her jest towards mm. two. And too little and <laughs> I get it at that point the family's been put on a lot of strain um you know, and they're they've been driven to that breaking point, but she is often portrayed in that you know that temptuous light, you know, like mm. Caleb's never his behaviour is never addressed. Um, you know, the way he's looking. And obviously no one ever finds him out mm. for sort of his implication, but the witches knew. Yeah. And that Which is definitely... could be
1: a point to Tomlinson having been a witch the whole time, but I don't think that's necessarily I, what's happening. I happened. don't think
0: she is. I think she's forced to join this coven in the sense that she has no other choice. I mean, mm. she's broken by the end of the film. Mm. She's had to brutally kill her... Deluded mother, and watch you know the the countless deaths of her family members in such a short period of time mm. I think the the scene when she speaks to Philip and he takes the form of some shroud in the darkness, mm. which begs the question is he is it he Philip is he a Philip, or is he a identifiable unidentifiable presence mm. what is Philip King you know black Philip yeah, um, it
1: might literally just be. The representation of satan which is yeah. pretty much their theory the whole time and and very much i mean the film over and over again subscribes to a lot of the ideas we have about witches and witchcraft and and god and satan and all of everything in between in that sense and i that was one of the fun facts that i read zeke was that so much of the film's dialogue was taken from first-hand accounts or handwritten accounts documents from mm. the 1600s uh, so I, I take
0: that all as quite literal. What's the Monty Python scene, right? You know, when, like, <laughs> he meets him and he's like, if she weighs the same as the duck, she is not a witch. <laughs> but if she is heavier, she is a witch. Uh, um,
1: I've still never seen it. It's so funny. I really got it. It's, That's um, really good.
0: Maybe it'll, yeah, maybe one day. One day. But... It um, is quite funny because, mm. yeah, obviously the I think the ending really kind of shows that you know the fact yes. that you know she strips and she she walks through the woods like a, amongst basically the wild. She's mm. just embraced the wild and yeah. having her maybe the nature has consumed her mm. into the night. Um, and I think the fact that it holds on her face and her reaction, which almost feels pained yet. It has. I mean, it's the midsummer break. It's it feels, it's
1: exactly the midsummer, like, like yeah, the, the final the, response with several different emotions all packed into one performance. Yeah,
0: and you at that moment you're watching, you're like, well, yeah, a star is kind of born in this moment. Mm. We can see why she's had such a meteoric rise because she's a fantastic actress. Yeah. But the the story says it in itself. You know, she's all over the place. She's just utterly broken, and and she very much has the same sort of ending as Florence Pugh's character in Midsommar, mm. she's who becomes the queen of... Yeah. It's of... kind of a
1: twisted found family type of film. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you in the sense that you're watching her, and especially with... Just with I think I was, unfortunately, never going to have a fresh, fresh viewing of this film because I always knew that there was... I knew the ending shot. That's been plus on every A24 Facebook group ever and whatnot. But you're always waiting for when she's saying i'm not a witch I'm not a witch and and just you know constantly repeating and begins to accuse others like mercy and whatnot you're waiting for like something to crack even when her mother is like choking her you're waiting for like a smile to crack or for the facade to crack and that never happens ever no so I'm definitely with you on that it's not that she was a witch the entire time she believes everything that she said throughout yeah. the film um in terms of whether she was a target or just the result of um last person standing i think because you're, you're right there is so much uh, everything that has happened to them, all this like bad faith and like with the crops going and the, the kind of the the apple coming out of caleb's mouth and the, there's so much torment and like specified torture to this family that there is no coincidence that she is the surviving member that yeah. was absolutely was she's
0: not subjected to any sort of um Persuasions and such, and and very early on, I, I think she's ostracized. I mean, she's significantly older than most of her siblings. Yes, um, she's you know she's very early sold off several. Well, times. I was going to say w- yeah. William and Catherine are openly talking about getting rid of her. She served mm. her purpose. She has mm. no other purpose to us apart from being a, an heir mm. or some form of uh, person to sell off as a, as a bargaining tool because. You know, she doesn't have the the masculinity side or the the that sort of provider, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I I just think that it's one of those things where, it, I think that her ending up at the end there, you know, being the last one standing and and stuff was solely out of fight or flight. She mm-hmm. had no other choice, which is why her communication with Phillips is, is really shows that it's that succumbing and. She was basically just a lost lamb, getting yeah. led back to, really, her community. I will and guide your hand. Yeah. He says. <laughs> very creepily. And, yes. And then um. she joined the, the the crazy witch coven. <laughs> it looked like a lot of fun, though. They were just vibing in the forest. Yeah. Just having their own little bush tuff. I wonder if
1: there was meant to be some visual juxtaposition between that campfire and then the campfire at the very start of the film. I think it's before even the title comes up where they're, mm. they're first exiled out and then they're having a... It's like a four-second shot of them at a campfire mm. out in the wilderness their first night before it like cuts to the next morning. Um, I wonder if there's meant to be a juxtaposition there. I'll quickly talk a little about the short films that I saw. These are all pretty easily findable, available on mm. YouTube. And I'll talk a bit about, I guess, like the Robert Eggers, Robert Eggers style that can be found in some of these. I actually did talk about the uh, Hansel and Gretel adaptation quite a while back, I'd say like a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. I think I just like randomly watched a bunch of short films and that was one of them that he had worked on. And he was very much leaning into the German Expressionism and, like I said, the high contrast black and white and even just like the design of the large gingerbread house in the forest is all very wacky and, and the shapes are all very out there. Um, and that juxtaposes with the other short film, He Did Brothers, which was shot also in a bush in a forest... Very much could have just been the same forest and the Witch. They both came out in 2015, which I thought was very intriguing. Um, well,
0: I mean, this film only took 25 days to film. So yeah, no, he had a few days that <laughs> he was like, well, <laughs> to i might make it 28. I know.
1: I mean, that's a very Sackty Brothers uh, move to do there. Do a short film on your off days during yeah. the features. It's, uh, there you go. While you got Adam Sandler there, you might as well do it. No, this was a bit more... Obviously, it felt a bit more modern. Like, there is colour, even though a lot of it's quite muted and green and kind of gross. But it follows a dynamic between two brothers. One's younger... Like, a, basically, Angus's age and the other's more of a teenager. Mm-hmm. Closer to Tomlinson's age. Uh, they're very violent and pushy. And, and I can't tell quite what era this is from, but it is a similar sort of farmhouse aesthetic. And I didn't get much out of it personally, but what I loved about it was the way that Robert Eggers could translate his gothic style into something that looked so much more contemporary yeah. than Hansel and Gretel, in particular the way like, the trees loom over the farmhouse. And even though it's just like a silhouetted shot, you know, done at the right time of day with full colour and everything, but it still had that gothic aesthetic just because of the, the pointy shapes of the trees and the way it looms over the, the farmhouse. And I think that's all going to serve him extremely well when he does his Nosferatu adaptation, which I'm extremely excited
0: about. Yeah, that's coming out. This year, this I don't. Year? I
1: don't know if they shot it yet. I I remember it was up in the air for a long time whether he was even going to do it. And I think Willem Dafoe was maybe going to be in it. I don't think he is anymore. Anya Taylor Joy be in it. She's not in it anymore. I think they got a scar guard instead. Um, actually, I could probably check really quickly who's starring in it. But I mean, is not is Nosferatu not the perfect film for this man to do? Yeah,
0: I, th- I think it's <laughs> couldn't get much better than that. I think what he has done with mythology, you know, coming back to that director's corner, what he's managed to achieve. I I think for me, if I was to say, what was my favorite Eggers shot? It's still that photograph-esque shot he gets. Right, in the the lighthouse. In the the lighthouse. is just incredible, that Mm. shot. Um, How eerily close it is to a photograph. Um, I also think that, out of the three, for me, that's my favorite. I think. I think, I'm in the
1: lighthouse is my favorite as well. Out of these
0: films, this this film is good. Um, I think this film is better than the Northman, but sure.
1: it's a, uh, an outstanding first film.
0: Yes, like holy moly, <laughs> incredibly um, confident. First I film. really like the Northman, um, but it's not something you know, especially Nor- when it came to Norse mythology and how how good we've kind of had it exploring those worlds through, mm. like, particularly the Viking show, which I think was an exceptional show mm. for the longest time. Um, Obviously, when that came along, I thought it was a couple of years too late, almost. Right. Yeah. Um, or well, it, it might have been offer- a COVID it thing. To- it
1: might have been two years earlier, if not for COVID.
0: Yeah. It, it, needed, it needed to offer something kind of unique and different. I don't think it really did. Mm. Whereas something like the Lighthouse did. Yeah. I look forward to seeing... What comes next after a Nosferatu situation? Mm. Uh, I, I really do like these mythologies. They're so unique, mm. um, and different. and it, And it's clear that, that, that this person, you know, he's Eggers is absolutely fascinated with ancient culture, a mm. uh, perception of culture, how religion and folklore translates in that culture, which is mm. such an interesting thing to explore to to pick such obscure laws and and explore them. I mean. There are so many periods of time we could we could explore. Yeah, that aren't off the immediate forefront. I mean, I think that we haven't really seen a film that explores something as like authentically explores the culture, religion, and iconography of something like the Egyptian era. Right. That isn't like a Hollywood scale mm. uh, depiction. Um, I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, something like that. I Even can- like I mean, like I think the only other person who's kind of done this is is Ariaster. Mm. in since eggers yeah
1: and it's interesting because like a bow is afraid is right around the corner it's literally a couple of weeks away um which was meant to be called disappointment boulevard i'm disappointed about the title change (laughs) but that's totally fine no that that seems far more contemporary which is quite interesting and a lot more like a psychological horror in a character study and not so much an exploration like going to sweden for example or um, looking into cult of hereditary, or that kind of exploration that, you're right, that Eggers doesn't seem to be steering away from anytime soon. Mm. And you, you look at those films, his films rather, where The Witch is quite a literal uh, direct tale in the sense that it takes place in the 1600s and it's about characters experiencing this witchcraft. The Northman* is very much a straightforward Norse mythology mm. tale, mm-hmm. while something like The Lighthouse, where it's like there's a lot of analogues to Greek mythology but that's not where the film takes place no it ta- it's two lighthouse keepers and it's using greek mythology to enforce the analog narrative of that and i think nosferatu was another chance where he can take a pre-established story which is obviously about vampires and inject really interesting ideas about religion in i i guess it would be the 1920s i guess when the original film came out it's so crazy i couldn't tell you i'm very years curious ago. sorry yeah yeah a hundred years ago that's crazy um, I should clarify as well, it's Bill Skarsgård and Lily Rose Depp who are playing the two lead characters in Nosferatu. so I'm very excited about that
0: Do you have anything else you'd like to add, Jag? Yeah, I've
1: got a couple of just points interesting points I found it very interesting, the scene when young Samuel actually disappears I love that it's just like through a cut there's no visual trickery or anything mm. like that <laughs> it's very uh Kushoff, uh, my god, I can't even pronounce it uh, in terms of classic editing fury of mm. the shot reverse shot and the association uh, by that. Um, I love going back to the whole gender separation that I was talking about. I love that it's consistently the men who lie to the women about why they went in the forest or why they disappeared for a certain moment. That's something consistent and something that Caleb learns from his father mm-hmm. to do and then vice versa. Um, and finally, again, leaning back into that the fact that Catherine makes... When she loses, it's it's a silver cup. She says at one point that she uses that to first cement her idea of whether the like oh a wolf took young Samuel away. She says it very sarcastically. I guess the wolf took that too, which leads into the fact that her immediate reaction to that is also leaning more into the religious witchcraft mm-hmm. side of it and not just believing what the father has said. So those are just some stray notes that I that I made throughout the
0: my viewing of the witch scene. Yeah. What was your highlight scene, Jake?
1: So I alluded to this earlier. It's the one thing I actually found to generally be terrifying. Um and it's it's kind of when the shit hits the fan. It's Caleb's in bed. He's he really needs an exorcism in that moment. <laughs> He's going yes, through the some power stuff. The
0: power of the power of, compri- the power of Christ oh needed to compel. You're trying you're trying to get a pee in there, isn't I, I don't know what, what happened, happened
1: there. <laughs> but yeah, you got my that mouth going sealed. and
0: then the um
1: the accusations are flying around. See, Tomlinson, you're mm. the witch, you're the witch, but then of course, it's the two younger kids who can't... They can't say the prayer, which... Uh, that's another thing I didn't realise is... Is a witch should not be able to say a full prayer. And that's one way to out a witch. And the fact that they couldn't in that moment, which... Again, that just feels like Trigger. That's like a witch playing a trick on them. Making them lose their memory of what a prayer is. Um, I just thought that whole scene, the way it um, builds... And the tension and the screaming and the yelling and the... It all just comes together really well mm. it's like i'm so uncomfortable watching this right now it's definitely the scariest i think the film gets at any point uh without any of the sort of ethereal aesthetical stuff yeah being scary what about you what's your highlight scene zeke
0: um i'm really quite a big fan of uh caleb's sort of i don't want really to call it well death scene i do, uh, the seduction oh, scene. he's
1: so good um oh the abduction scene
0: yeah, the abduction scene. Right. I mean I I give full crow. He, his final death scene's mm. great. Yeah. Where he gives that biblical kind of testimonial.
1: Yeah. He's like his chest is kinda of like lunged forward beyond his will. Yeah, you almost feel
0: like something's gonna burst out of his
1: chest. But it's like how old is that kid? I think he was thirteen. That is a stellar performance. Yeah. To get out of a thirteen year old.
0: So weird, I don't think I've ever ever heard of him since then. Like he's gotta be like what twenty two, twenty three now?
1: He is in Ammonite, which is surprising. we did that oh he's uncredited in ammonite that's fascinating and he's in a new Netflix film The School for Good and Evil, which we I think we mentioned we neither of us have seen but we mentioned it a few months ago so he's been in a couple of things but Especially He's when you
0: put him next to Anna Taylor Joy, <laughs> and in some ways he almost
1: outshines her in some yeah, sense. It yeah,
0: it's interesting, isn't it? So it's a test. It's who you know, and maybe maybe it's the look too. I mean, physically, it maybe there wasn't the marketing. They already had the Stranger Thing boys. They didn't need uh, <laughs> any more blokes. But yeah, no, his, his death scene's really good. But his seduction scene, I, I quite like. There's particularly because there's this really good low angle shot. And it must be with, oh man, the focal length has got to be something pretty close, almost fisheye distortion. Mm. But it's the way it kind of follows him in this like ethereal push. Right. As he moves towards the seductress witch, Mm. who is obviously depicted much younger, Mm. you know, is wearing like a very prominent bust because... Yeah, yeah. um,
1: I was thinking of Schindler's List, we're going with the red... The Red Robe, mm. how prominent that colour is in an otherwise much more muted film.
0: Yeah, and, and what's interesting about that is, is is like we said, it's how multifaceted the acting is. You know, mm. I, I just talked about the Anna Taylor-Joy shot and how, you know, we've got the pain and expression, but yep. Caleb's doing the exact same thing in that shot. Mm. He is not absolutely bereft by this really attractive woman. He almost in, instinctually knows mm-hmm. that it's witch or something that's not his but can't help but remove yeah, himself to it's the... not the same um succumbing to temptations like the characters in Midsummer happen where oh, they but all you're just gonna
1: refer th- the Green Knight again.
0: Yeah. Well yeah no. He he, <laughs> I'm, he sorry, d- I'm
1: still he, wheeling he, over the use of succumb last week. Okay. Like I'm sorry. That is just genius wordplay.
0: Uh um, we're no never not think about okay. it <laughs> but no I, I he's genuinely horrified in that yes. sequence like he's scared not um like taken aback by her it's almost like he's glued to the spot and yet mm. moving towards her yeah. it's incredibly it's a fascinating shot and sequence to show that sort of character and great artistry in that moment and obviously it's a, a very good horror moment when she kisses him and yeah and reveals the gammy yeah. hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. That's great.
1: probably a bait and switch as well. Like, it's probably just someone else's hand coming in but from an angle. Probably it... just prostate to hand, I imagine.
0: Yeah. No. Probably just Something very up. simple, I reckon. Yeah. That's
1: what they did. And what I love about that as well is... It, that's kind of an, another point towards the idea that, that Tomlinson was the... Um, or Thomas Thomasin, Thomasin, was the target all along. Mm. Because young Caleb so came to a seduction and... They cursed him and killed him, but yes, they they left her alive.
0: No worries. Well, the witch is currently out on Amazon Prime. Mm,
1: we did two Prime films in a row, We look did. Look at, look at us go. Look
0: at you go, Amazon Prime.
1: No, well done.
0: Keep charging, and give us the boys. When does the boys come out again? When does the that's got to be soon? I'll be mid year. In hot minutes. Took it two season. years to get the last season. I'm pretty sure. Didn't Was take. Was that a night. COVID season or? I don't know, but that last season was good.
1: We're definitely past the point of code. The fact that we got seasoned, a new season of
0: Succession, like, what, 14 months after? Yes, but Succession just feels significantly easy to... Like, relatively... Like, there's not a lot of big set pieces in, in Succession. They go I'm, to locations.
1: But that's they go to some crazy locations in that show. Yeah, but it's mostly
0: just nice buildings they're in most of the time. Well, yeah, but it means that the, crew, the, lodge was the crew's
1: travelling a lot, though. That's crazy. Yeah, true. Yeah. No, there's a lot of. I think I think Succession. There's a lot of crazy stuff that goes in it. That how that is, good is
0: how good is M'lord? Mark Malord. <laughs> <I liked him. laughs> He's He's going
1: to make the menu part two. The witch is an Australian uh, model, the young witch that seduces
0: uh, Caleb. Really? Yeah, an Australian model. There you go. Well, speaking of streaming platforms, Jack, what's new to streaming platforms and cinemas this week?
1: Not a lot. Well, the. the Coming to cinemas, we've got some very exciting stuff. But before we get there, we've got films like The Portable Door is finally coming to stand this week after its cinema run. Last week, you got Chupa, which comes to Netflix and sees a young boy in a trip to Mexico discover a Chupa Cabra in his grandfather's shed. Chupacabra. It sounds like E.T. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and coming to binge, you've got Blaze, the Mad Men film, uh, Moonage Daydream, the George Clooney, Julia Roberts film, Tickets to Paradise. Actually, that comes to Netflix as well. So double trouble. But Zeke, very excited about what's coming to cinemas oh, this baby. week. Air is directed by Ben Affleck and stars himself, Matt Damon, Jason Bateman, Viola Davis, and chronicles the story of how Nike purchased the at-the-time rookie Michael Jordan and the creation of the Air Jordans. Feels
0: like found a founder, like a fun... Very entrepreneurial sort of yeah. fun. I mean, the Tetris movie came out last week. I know, I still want to see that. I it's i we have bloody doing.
1: Paramount, I suppose. But have Apple. You... Oh, you're right. It is Apple. My apologies. I'm gonna find a way to get another free Apple subscription. But Z, I'm guessing Air has been dominating your social feeds like mine. Yeah, there's just commercials for it everywhere, which is, it just feels so feel good. Yeah, you know, just like every beat you can imagine. Like who's the player? Turns around, takes off sunglasses. Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, like every it's beat the, is. It's so... the Ford
0: vs Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. almost feels like it's. The difference is like Ford vs Ferrari was a perfectly adequate film, and then it got Oscar nominations. Everyone went, okay,
1: not really though. One for editing and sound sound mixing,
0: or I think yeah, I think editing. it was it was in safe categories. To be fair, it wasn't getting. They so got a couple of technicals. Yeah,
1: and look, I don't hate the editing nomination. I mean, it was the same year as Parasite. And they didn't get Parasite editing nomination. You were out of your mind. But, I, yeah, look, I mean, I'm probably going to see it. I'm probably going to enjoy it. But the trailer, it's so audience-baity. It's so on the nose about, like, here are all the things you know because you know these things you're going to watch the yeah. film. And here's Ben Affleck oh. smiling and high-fiving people.
0: That's all... Sorry, <laughs> that was so mean. I was so mean about Ben Affleck. But I, I don't know. I just... For me, it's like him and Matt Damon... I think they're both very good actors mm. but you especially when you put them together I'm going to be like well I don't see I'm I'm not going to watch something of substance I mean they had goodwill hunting It was great mm. but that was also 26 years 27 yeah. years ago
1: I think mean, it's weird cuz they do both cuz like Ben Affleck directed like Gone Baby Gone and and um Argo yes so I was like and then you got stuff like this which is like, I'm sure it's not bad I'm just saying it's like it's so audience baity general audience I mean, it's a film about Michael Jordan. And... Like, yeah. How's,
0: how, like, how's it ever going to be not audience baby? Yeah. No, you're right. You're talking you're about right. the greatest basketball of all time. Right? It's not like
1: Robert Eggers is going to direct it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm it's probably going to It's also it. a
0: safe film when you think of it. It, mm. it really is another founder type film because yeah. all we're watching is we're talking about Air Jordans, which are now one of the most iconic shoes of all time. Mm. One of the most sought after shoes of all time. It's like watching the Macca's movie. You know what's going to (laughs) happen.
1: Like... I will say, to be fair, the social network had that it's the Facebook movie
0: tagline before people actually saw it. It's true. So, there's a lot... There is that. Yeah, I guess... You never know. Yeah. True. And I guess there is the the sleazy car salesman aspect in The Founder where you're Mm. kind of watching this hostile takeover of... Like a family run business. That's
1: true. I think that's the main. We I think we just identified it, Zeke. The fact there's no like enemy in the the, other than I guess there's like internal pressure to not go with the rookie. Yeah. But that's all. The trailer almost immediately depicts as a non-issue, and everyone's all excited and high-fiving each other because it's so feel good. And there's no greasy salesman. There's no rival competition. There's no lawsuit. At least not the trailer depicts. Yeah. So I think that's where it comes from. You're right. Even the Tetris, there's drama in that story. Yes. You know, he's got to go into the you know enemy good, good, territory. Got good, good, good reviews. I'm I got to see it. I really do. I'm excited for it. Also coming to cinemas, you've got the Super Mario Brothers movie, Ugh. of course, stars Anya Taylor Joy, we've just been talking about. Mm. In addition to Chris Pratt, Charlie Day, Jack Black, Seth Rogen, Mike, uh, Keegan Michael Key. My goodness, I can't say names. What do you? You just said, "Ugh." You're not excited for this. Who is? Is anyone excited for this? i to go and see
0: it, man. Why
1: not? It's a kids' film, but it's, it looks like a pretty decently done kids' film. Oh, it's just tough. The animation's isn't it?
0: colorful, and it's, I think it's hard to get past the uh, the voice acting, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to be the thing that really ruins it. What's really just Chris Pratt that people are worried about? Everyone, oh. everyone else is
1: fun. Charlie Day's Luigi. Charlie Day's always fun. It's just a
0: person in general. And always sunny. He's, still, he's just so stupid.
1: I don't... I see people, like, generally, like, oh, God. It's like, I don't...
0: It's, I think it's, it's a, innocent from, enough, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. From an animation point of view, it's pretty flawless. It's hard to say anything about that.
1: It's illumination it, doing their fang. Um, I
0: suppose. <laughs> I think, to be honest, if I was to be perfectly honest, I, I think... He sort of for me, Chris Pratt is now falling into that category of Ryan Reynolds. I'm just We're a bit sick, sick of him. A bit yeah. sick of seeing him yeah. in things. Like I love him in like well, I watch him in Parks and Rec. He's great, and he was, you know, Guardians. Movie. I guess I'm looking forward to his final Guardians film. Like mm. it'll probably be a really solid film. Yeah, it's all this James Gunn stuff. I think it'll be a good film. Yeah, um, but I don't know. I just like. Does he have to be in everything? I mean, this is the guy that was in, like, he's the main character in the Lego movie. So, it's like, I mean, he's gone from one animation to another. It's like, could we not find anyone else? Yeah. That maybe sounded a little closer to the... doesn't even have to sound close to the main source. Like, I'm not, like, that but much I, of a purist.
1: I know, but I, I feel like based on everyone else they cast, it's like... They're clearly going for, again, air. Yeah, they're going for audience. They're yeah. going for names. Oh, I recognize the. I mean, it goes all the way back to Aladdin. All of this always goes back to Aladdin. Yeah. Damn you, you know.
0: Robin Williams. <laughs> he tried. He did. He tried he was to a very preserve ethically good person. I know and and
1: God damn it, Disney. That's all I have to say. Mm. Aliyuya sees a geriatric ward of a small Yorkshire hospital threatened with closure. I'm going to end the log line there because I thought this was a comedy and I watched the trailer, I might. Like, this is just kind of sad. <laughs> all these old people, I mean, stranded Maybe that is funny, I don't know. Uh, I don't think that is, but sure. <laughs> oh, Lord. And finally, the Pope's exorcist, we were just talking about exorcism, sees Russell Russell Crowe, excuse me, as a chief exorcist of the Vatican as he battles Satan and innocent possessing demons. Yo, that could be one of two films, Zeke. That could be. That could be like... totally. that could be. Really straightforward, upsetting, kind of horror-esque film about a man who has to do this stuff his whole life or he literally battles satan like stranger things leveled bats flying around metallica no, 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 no. <laughs> yo he it literally says he battles satan yeah battles him
0: <laughs> that was creep. me doing the henry cavill loading reloading <laughs> ah, the my gun arms the
1: handgun load <laughs> Oh god, I should have watched the trailer. I don't want to watch the trailer for that because I like to think in my head that that's what it is.
0: That's very fair.
1: Yeah, it's the end of Stranger things for.
0: <laughs> I feel bad because I am probably not gonna watch a lot of this stuff during the the next week because it's mm. WrestleMania week.
1: Really, you are watching WrestleMania? Wrestle-
0: yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay, already halfway through night one.
1: I only found out a couple of hours ago. It's not a one day event anymore.
0: No, it's two. That's crazy. Because it's like if it was, it was like a seven hour it's like show. Like wrestling Super Bowl it's awesome there's two days now because you can watch I'm about to finish day one it was really good
1: I guess we'll hear about that next week because uh, that's they... good <laughs> television that's, what, good you're... Television. that's the, what you're watching the
0: fan the, the sheer spectacle is just insane like 80,000 people yeah. the, the the imagine trying to run that show like firing the pyrotechnics and queuing
1: Oh, it's it's like that for a lot of. Shows. I mean, obviously
0: you're right. Like there's fire involved and all
1: crazy sorts. Very intense. Like, yeah, but and even you have to you...
0: almost cue, because everything happens for certain at certain times. Yeah, yeah. Just from a showmanship point of view, it's insane.
1: Yeah, but I, I feel like news, sports, um, award show, all of that is all high pressure. I would never ever get involved in that kind of. Oh yeah. Like live switching news broadcast, that is terrifying. Absolutely. I've had a bad track record with weddings, as it is. I'm not getting involved in that. Uh, Now, Zeke. Yes. Some horrible, horrible news about next week's uh, podcast. I never thought you'd be so sad. I know, I'm just... You know, we we try and be fair on this podcast, Zeke. Yeah. With the countdown through the decades. Retrospective. I don't know if we're calling it retrospective anymore.
0: Yeah, I think it's just the countdown through the decades most of the time
1: and out of you know three and a half shows I guess you would call it now we're, we're slowly approaching the halfway point of our fourth yep. one, fourth one I, mean, I think I've never been more disappointed in the, the diplomatic system that we've got um, than ever before my 2000s film lost yeah, tragically tightly 21 to 18 it was yeah. tight
0: one of the highest vote participation we've had in a while I'd say mm. certainly um, this year I reckon definitely vocal um, and we're absolutely, obviously, going to keep encouraging that. If you want to keep voting mm. on a counter through the decade, number four is what we're up to. Um, Don't
1: vote anymore. I'm disappointed in all of you. You
0: just go to <laughs> at ZKMH, at Jake the Clicker, or of course at Cinema Sideshow, which is our Cinema Sideshow podcast Instagram page for the whole Instagram sort of the whole podcast community. I guess, but you're Jake. never
1: going to see us on TikTok. Obviously, Twilight
0: did fall short in our (laughs) 2000s poll, just barely. So, what are we watching next week on the show? Poor Twilight. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Next week on the show, Zeke, we're watching No Country
1: for Old Men.
2: Let me ask you something. What's the most you ever lost in a coin toss? Look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. Just call it. Friendo
1: a hunter's life takes a drastic turn when he discovers two million dollars while strolling through the aftermath of a drug deal he is then pursued by a psychotic killer who wants the money you just you stole my blu-ray right there zeke
0: yeah i have it in my hand
1: i, One, I don't have a twilight blu-ray for
0: 2007 academy awards including best picture mm. best director for both the Coens, it's given the credit for on this. Really? Okay. Yes. Best adapted I- screenplay for both the Coens. And best performing... Uh, best sporting actor for Javier Bardem.
1: It's interesting because, yeah, it only has Joel here as a director. Maybe they did. They both did direct it.
0: I assume so. We've got to
1: find out. Zeke, I never thought I'd be so disappointed to... You have a me.
0: Coen Brothers film.
1: ...to talk about a masterpiece on the yeah. show instead of Twilight. But I, w- I will take it on the chin. That is fine because No Country for Old Men is generally... Just an absolutely phenomenal mm. film. And I think it is a great choice for a 2000s. Not to mention, probably,
0: arguably, the best year in the 2000s. 2007, you had this, you had um, There Will Be Blood, same year. Yeah, that's... 2007 is, edition. like, a once? ridiculous... And once. <laughs> and Spider-Man 3. Yes. Who can... I mean, to be honest, how, how much year. longevity has that seen with him strolling down doing the jazz, like... That's had mileage. It's literally in the Spider-Verse movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I'm keen for that, because that'll That's come soon, out. That comes one. out, I think, at the end of our countdown through the decades. Oh. pretty close to that time. So,
1: There's a few films coming out in this era that I'm disappointed we're not going to be able to talk about straight away. Like, like John Wick Chapter 4 would have been a good one, and obviously there's a yeah. few coming out this week. would be interesting. Bo is Afraid, as I mentioned earlier, is right around the corner. But... Generally, April, May is a good time for us to do this Around To countdown. run the. Generally. Yeah. And we can always come back. We we'll so, can do something else.
0: Jake, I mean, you can still watch Twilight next week. That's true. I can just watch it in my own time. Yeah, and talk about it in the first half of the show. However, <laughs> until then, thank you for joining us for the Cinema Side Show podcast. I was Zeke. I was Jake. And we'll catch you next week with No Country for Old Men. And, and Twilight.